Welcome to Voice Power, the podcast all about bringing the power of voice for your business or personal needs. You will hear how voice increases your positivity and creates amazing opportunities. Your host, Earl Thomas, The Voice, will share his vast experience on today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, and writing a review wherever you receive your podcast. Welcome to Voice Power, Season 2, Episode 21. On episode 20, we discuss the importance of creative communication with purpose. This edition, I'm happy to have my special guest, an expert who fully lives purposeful communication and trains effectively in the business marketplace. My recollection first meeting Sandy Chernoff at a Vancouver Business Networking event quite a few years ago, Sandy gave an excellent presentation on how men and women think differently. Sandy is a soft skills consultant, solving people problems by providing the necessary tools and strategies to reduce conflict, increase productivity, and create happiness. In discussion with her prospective clients, she determines the skill set necessary to deal with the difficulties faced by individuals and teams and then designs and delivers the appropriate programs to address those identified needs and help people to become really good at their jobs. For almost 30 years, she has trained nonprofits, law firms, teaching institutions, professional organizations, conferences, individuals, and a wide variety of businesses. Her clients accomplish through workshop training, e-learning programs, and personal coaching sessions the following. Gaining soft skills in identified areas for success and happiness while having fun. A practical approach to core competencies via an interactive learning process which allows them to solve their issues and apply new strategies. With effective soft skills, a person increases their success in all aspects of their life and greatly reduces their stress. After 40 plus years as a dental hygienist, Sandy transitioned into soft skills training using her education from the University of Oregon with a Bachelor of Science degree in Health Education, Science, and Dental Hygiene. Enjoyed post-grad work in public health doing research with the U.S. Army and U.S. Public Health Services in the state of Oregon. Worked with master's and doctoral candidates in the educational programs at the University of Oregon, teaching them the advantages of utilizing the services and knowledge of dental hygienists in the school system. Sandy passionately communicates her purpose of helping many communicate more effectively with confidence, reducing their stress levels. It is with great pleasure I welcome Sandy Chernoff to Voice Power. Welcome to Voice Power, Sandy. Thanks for being my special guest. After 40 years as a dental hygienist, what prompted you to make the career change? Well, first of all, I was trained by a large international women's organization to be a leadership trainer and I used to travel literally from Victoria to New York City and everything in between. I was still practicing dental hygiene but only two days a week because I had back trouble and I had trigger thumb in both my thumbs. My son dared me to turn it into a business Earl. That's what happened. He basically dared me. He said mom you know how much longer do you think you're going to be able to practice and then what will you do you know 
And so, because my kids view me as the energizer bunny and they figure if I have nothing to do, I'll just focus on them and drive them crazy. So he wanted to make sure that I had something else to do. And he said, you know, you're really good at this. So why don't you just turn it into a business? So I stepped back and I thought, he's right. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to practice because physically I am falling apart. And that's typical in dentistry. Most people who practice for a long time, and I did do it for over 40 years, end up with neck, back and hand issues because of how we have to sit and what we have to do. So I, I agreed with him and I like to have something to do, Earl. So it wasn't necessarily a bad dare. So what I did initially was I got out the yellow pages and I phoned every professional organization in the yellow pages and I asked them two questions. Number one, do you have an annual conference? And number two, do you provide continuing education courses to your members? Because most professions require that you do continuing ed to maintain your license. And there are a certain number of hours you have to do every year, and they do offer different courses so that you can get those hours. And I started doing um, continuing education courses for a lot of the professions because I showed them, you know, what I could offer them. It was a really funny thing, Earl. I have a very nice business card that my friend created for me because he's a graphic designer. I thought people would ask me for my business card. No. The question was, do you have a website? And at that time, I didn't have one. But the expectation today is that you have a website because if you don't, basically you don't exist. My daughter hooked me up with a guy. I've never actually met him. He lives on Vancouver Island, but he's very good. We've spoken on the phone and he created my website on a WordPress. He tweaks the SEO on a regular basis because the other thing I learned about soft skills is you can't push market it. People either have a problem and would like it solved and need help to get it solved, or frankly, they don't care. So I even went into a trade show and shared a booth and you know people come over and they ask you what you do. And I told them and they said, oh, that's nice. And they walk away because they're not, you know, unless they have a problem, they really don't care. I get 80 to 90 percent of my new contracts from inquiries from my website, because when somebody has a problem, whether it's an organization or an individual, they Google their problem. Nathaniel has done a good job on my site. I usually come up on the first page of a Google search. And so that's why I get so many inquiries. This pandemic has kind of put the kibosh on a lot of what I do because groups are afraid to gather. So I've had a few contracts. Thank goodness for the inspiration of your son. He really got you going. Well, the soft skills are all the people stuff. Or like when I started, people said to me, you need to figure out your target market. So I looked at them and I said, really? Name me an industry that doesn't have people. And they kind of looked back at me and I said, well, if you have people, you have people problems and soft skills are the skills necessary to resolve those issues and also prevent them from happening. So it's a matter of, you know, what are you doing? And again, some people are naturally good at this, but most are not. And unfortunately, soft skills are not included in most training programs, whether you're a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or an accountant or an engineer, whatever it is. They don't usually include communication skills and stress management and time management and conflict, you know, how to deal with conflict and all those different kinds of things. But I, I do, I help them. And whenever I have a new prospect, I always have what I call a discussion interview because I want to find out very specifically 
what they are looking for so that I can customize a program that will provide them with the specific needs they, they have. And that way, everybody is happy. I also provide them with a fully documented syllabus because I don't really want them taking a lot of notes. I want them actively involved in their learning experience because then it's more retentive. Also, we have more fun if they're you know doing things. Like one of the things I do sometimes, I have games. And if I have games, I bring prizes. And even adults like prizes or oh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, kids do, but even adults like prizes. So, you know, we have fun. And I want the people to enjoy their learning experience because if they do, they will be more likely to start using the new strategies and, and um, approaches that I'm giving them. What is the most fulfilling feedback from your courses? Well, basically, it's funny because I usually deal with HR when it's a company and I ask them to give me situations that their people have struggled with. They haven't had good results from. And so I put those into the PowerPoint program, but I also hard copy them. And after I've taught them some approaches that are going to be helpful with those situations, I then have them number off in groups and each group gets a hard copy of a situation they're actually familiar with, Earl, but that didn't work out very well. And so now they've learned some new approaches and they realize that, you know, if they start using this, they'll get better outcomes. So it's, you know, it's a whole process. And then the company is much happier because they're getting a better ROI. If people start using these things, they won't have the struggles they were having before. And so it's very important that they do use some of the new approaches that I provide them according to you know what they need. And then people always come up to me at the end of the workshop and say, how did you know that? So you know, I always laugh and I say, well, your HR manager told me, because I always say to HR, I can make stuff up, but it never resonates as well as something that your employees are familiar with and which didn't work out for very well for them. So you'll get a better return because then they see A, why they're learning this stuff and B, why it would be a good idea to start using it because then they will get better outcomes from situations that they've struggled with before. So they agree. We have some fun with that. But it's it's very important to get your attendees actively involved in their learning experience. And the only way you can do that is if you offer them different things that grab their attention and that, you know, sort of give them a reason to pay more attention to you because to listen to somebody yak at you all day doesn't work very well. And that's the reason why the process I use, I teach a concept, whatever it may be. And then I give the attendees an exercise. So sometimes they fill out a questionnaire and then we debrief the questionnaire. Sometimes I have them partner up and they do something with a partner and then we debrief how that went. And then the third thing, of course, is they get into groups and work on these scenarios. And then we debrief how that went. So they share with their colleagues. And that way, everybody gets to hear what's going on. And it's, it's helpful to everyone. Plus, the syllabus that I give them has spaces for when we do those exercises that they can write down things. So they not only get to take away what I've given them, but they get to take away what they discussed. And again, it's much better for them to talk and to contribute in different ways because it will be far more retentive than if I just yak at them for the whole workshop. 
it just it's not very good and because i have a degree in education i know that's not a good way to deal with people because it's not going to be nearly as effective as if they get actively involved in their learning process. And that's why I encourage them to do so. You know, in that way, we also have some fun. I like them to have fun and to look back on their experience, their educational experience as something that was interesting and fun. Because again, it will be far more retentive if they look on it in a positive way. And so you have to create a, a situation that makes people A, involved and B, happy. If they're happy and they're interested, then um, the person, far better ROI. It's a matter of what are we doing? You've really got them engaged. It makes learning fun and like they want to be there. So they're going to make a difference in their workplace. Yes. I'm also wondering, how did you receive an invitation to become a columnist for Biz Catalyst in Florida? That was interesting. Dennis, the guy who runs that website, contacted me as we were connected on LinkedIn. And he obviously looked at my website, Earl, and liked some of the blogs that I had on there. He actually phoned me and he said, how would you like to blog on my website? And I said, okay. He also has groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and, you know, all that. And so he posts blogs from the people who blog for him regularly. So I get a lot of exposure because of that. And he also, you know, works with people in different countries. So sometimes my blogs get up in, you know, different places too. It just sort of depends. But um, he actually came to Vancouver with his wife. And so myself and my husband, another guy that I know who lives in Burnaby and who also blogs on his site, the six of us got together for breakfast at the hotel that Dennis and Allie were staying at downtown. And I said to Dennis, it's really funny. I never thought I'd get to meet you because you live on the, exactly the opposite end of the of the continent because you're in Florida and I'm in BC. But I said, this is really nice. And I'm glad that we did this because it was kind of fun. He's a very nice guy. He really promotes the people who blog on his site because Yale always gives me a bad time. You know, you're doing this, you know, and you don't get any money for it. I said, well, it's very hard to put a price on the kind of exposure I get because of what Dennis does. But that's how I got started with him, Earl. He found me and invited me to blog on his site. So I send him blogs every week. You know, they show up on, on the different groups that he has. And I really appreciate that because it, it gives me a lot of exposure. How people view him, I'll put it that way. It just makes the people that he has on his site look good too. So it's I really appreciate what he does. It's been a, It's been an interesting experience. I get lots of comments on my blogs on my own site that's one of the reasons i think that i get i get the work that i get because i think people are very interested in what i have to offer and again as i said when i have a new prospect i always have what i call a discussion interview with them i want to find out what they are specifically looking for most trainers don't do that girl a workshop or a topic i'll give you an example I subcontract to a company in Toronto that's a payroll company, but they offer their clients soft skills training. And they have a person in Toronto who creates workshops. And, you know, if, if a client asks for a workshop for stress management or, you know, communicate, that doesn't matter what it is. This person creates the workshop, sends me the PowerPoint, sends me a facilitator guide, and sends me a handout for the people. When I give the workshop, 
This is what happens pretty much every time. At the end of the workshop, the HR manager comes up to me and says, that wasn't what we expected. I often say to him, well, maybe you should contact LifeWorks and find out if they'll customize something for you. I know they won't, Earl, because that's not how they operate. But I said, if they won't, here's my business card. You can send me an email or give me a shout and I'll come out here and you and I can sit down and I will create a specific website um, workshop for you that will provide your employees with the specifics you feel are going to be most beneficial to them. I'm not really supposed to do that because then I'm sort of taking their clients away to a certain degree. But I always feel bad when the HR manager is not happy with what was presented to them. And it's because, you know, generic workshops don't work. They really don't. And every organization is different. So unless you find out what they really want and what they really need, what you're doing isn't helpful. And to me, it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of their time. And it's a waste of their money. So I always feel badly when I get that kind of feedback from HR. I never get that when I do the workshops that I create because I customize for every client. The only time I ever do the same workshop is if I'm working with a company and I do groups at different times so that not everybody comes to the full workshop at once. But otherwise, I never do the same workshop twice, ever. I spend a lot of time creating things that are going to work for my clients. And it's why I get repeat business. And sometimes my clients even refer other people to me because I guess, you know, they've also struggled with using trainers that don't provide them with what they specifically are looking for. And I just realized that, you know, you can't do that. It's just, it doesn't work. What What is the biggest uh, benefit companies, corporations, or any client receives from your training? Well, I think when you provide them with some new strategies and approaches, they're going to help them in their work and help them get along better with their colleagues. And I do leadership training and managerial training because a lot of times people get put into those positions, but they don't really know what to do, Earl. You know, so it means that you're not really a good leader. So I will sit them down and we will, I will teach them how to be a better manager or a better leader. And one of the things that I tell them is the first thing that's really important is listen, listen, learn, lead. That's really, you know, you can't lead people if you don't know anything about them. And so you have to listen to them and find out what they're looking for and what they would like to learn. And then you can lead them more effectively. But if you don't pay attention to that and you don't do that, then you're not going to be very effective. And a lot of people get put into those positions with no training girls. So they literally have no idea what they should be doing. And so they're not good at their job. Some companies are good. They have training programs for this. But most do not. Most do not have programs for this. And I always think that, you know, it's such a shame because you set these people up to fail. Why would you do that? You know, it doesn't help your company and it certainly doesn't help them. It just turns them off. So it's a matter of what are you doing? And I have created a lot of managerial training programs for companies by sitting down with a game with their HR manager and looking at what some of the problems are and then giving them the appropriate strategies to help them fix this so that their teams function better and they get more high performance. Because again, it's not rocket science. It's really not. It's almost no programs include soft skills training in the program. You know, they just do 
medicine or dentistry or accounting or law or engineering or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but they do not include the people stuff. And you're going to be dealing with people. So if you don't know how to deal with them, there are some people that are naturally good at this. They just are. They're just naturally good at it. But they are very few and far between. Like when I was practicing dentistry, in the dental hygiene program, we do teach soft skills because we have a national accreditation team. And we sat down and decided what should be in the program. And I taught in a dental hygiene program for a number of years. And what I taught was communication skills and you know a number of other things that would help them to be effective with their patients. Because if you don't have a good relationship with your patients, why would they listen to you? Well, then you can't help them. So it's very important to establish respect, rapport, and trust with your patient. One patient that I was going to be seeing who was autistic, and I know that autistic people don't like strangers. So there's no way that you can help them because they won't listen to you. So I phoned this kid's mom and I said, your son is coming in to see me in 10 days. What can we do so that I can you know, establish a relationship with him so he'll listen to me? And she said to me, no one's ever done this before. And I said, well, it's very important to me to have a good relationship with my patients so that I can actually help them. But I said, if he won't listen to me because I'm a stranger, then there's no way I can help him. So she said, well, why don't we all go out together? I said, okay. So we went out and she and I had coffee and he had a pop, but I had a chance to listen to him and we had a, you know, a very nice conversation. So then the following week when he came in and I went out to the waiting room to bring him in, I said, hi, Joel, how are you doing? Oh, it's nice to see you again. I said, well, come on in. So I showed him how to brush and floss his teeth and gave him a new toothbrush and some floss. And um, his mom called me a couple of days later and said he was brushing and flossing like a fiend. And I said, well, I'm very glad to hear that. But I said, I think it's because I was able to establish a relationship with him because of what you suggested. And I said, I know that you can't do that with autistic people, because if they don't like strangers, they won't listen and they don't care. And, you know, there's just no way that you can move forward. It's obvious that you have great people skills and you're good at training and getting right to the heart of the matter. I'm wondering about the Humanity Project and your involvement in it. And what is the Humanity Project? Well, bringing humanity together is a project that was started by a guy who's in the States. He wants to bring humanity into the workplace. That's what he wants to do. And that's what this was all about. But he still doesn't have a website up. And until he gets that up, he's not going to be getting any contracts. Plus, he's in the States. And I just couldn't see how I was going to be able to really help him because I can't really work in the States and, you know, he's in Florida. So, you know, it just, it wasn't going to work that well. So I just have kind of backed off, but it's just a matter of, I agree with what he's trying to do because I think it's a good idea. And many workplaces don't have a good culture. And if you don't have a good culture, A, you're going to have a high turnover and B, it's going to be difficult to get people to replace the ones that have left because you already have a reputation of not having a good culture. It's very, very important to have a culture that's respectful and encouraging and supportive and that people enjoy coming to work. And if you have that, then you will keep your people and you will attract new ones. But many places have terrible cultures, just terrible. And again, it's because the leadership doesn't know how to lead properly and they don't know how to create a good culture. And to me, that's really a shame.
I mean, it really is because you're shooting yourself in the foot. Tell us about your book and uh, how it can benefit people. It's called Five Secrets to Effective Communication. This book only has about 70 pages. Each chapter, and there's five chapters in here, is laced with stories and examples. At the end of every chapter, I give the reader an exercise to try out what they learn. And then the last page of the chapter is just a list of the key takeaways on that aspect of communication. To me, one of the most important communication skills is active listening. And people think listening and hearing are the same thing. They're not. Hearing is an ability unless you're hearing impaired. Listening is an art. It requires focus and concentration. And if you don't do those things, you won't hear the message. And it's really important for people to understand that if there is traffic noise or business machines or side talking or, you know, different things that are distracting, then it's going to be very hard to focus and concentrate. So when you have an important conversation to have with someone, you need to find somewhere to do it where there aren't going to be a lot of distractions because otherwise they're not going to get your message. And the other thing is a lot of people after they've given a message, they say, so did you understand me? And of course, everyone's going to say yes, because they don't want you to think that they're stupid or that they weren't paying attention. Wrong question. Better to ask them, what do you think I expect of you? Then you have a far better chance of finding out if they actually heard what your instructions were. And it's just a matter of, of understanding how this all works. And hearing Effective listening is, is really an important skill and you have to learn it and you have to practice it. And if you don't do that, it's very hard to deal well with people. And, you know, especially with customers, you know, if somebody comes in with a problem and you don't listen well to the problem, how are you going to help them? And if you don't help them, why would they ever come back? So it's a matter of, it's not just dealing with your colleagues or dealing with your, your manager. It's dealing with your customers and you want them to be happy. And in order for them to be happy, you got to listen. You know, it's a matter of understanding what to do. And I think that when people learn how to be an effective communicator, then they're going to have success in every aspect of their lives because it's very important to listen well to people, whether it's a colleague, a customer, a friend, or your spouse. You know, you got to listen to people so that you can find out what's going on and figure out how to deal with it. Because otherwise, there's just going to be conflict. And conflict is, you know, not very successful in terms of how we deal with it. So we need to not create conflict. And that's why listening is so important. And it's just a matter of, of understanding. I mean, I wrote this book because so few people are good at communicating. And again, it's not something that's taught very much. I as I said, there are some people who are naturally good at this. They just are kind of naturally good at it, but very few. Like I think I told you, my, my new ENT doctor, he listens. And I really appreciate that, which is why I bring him banana breads. He really does listen. He absolutely does. And I think that's one of the reasons why patients like him so much. And I would recommend him to anybody who needs an ENT practitioner because he's so good. I mean, he's good at what he does anyway, but he really pays attention. That's something really quite remarkable. You know, I, one of the things that I did, I listened, I sat in on a, on a treatment plan presentation by a dentist, Earl, and he just verbally 
talk to this woman about the different options he was going to offer her in terms of, you know, different kinds of crowns and fillings and whatever. And I looked at her and she just looked confused, totally confused. So when she left, I said to him, I said, you know, she's going to go home. Her husband's going to ask her what you told her. And she's going to tell him she has no idea. He says, well, I explained everything. I said, yes, you explained everything verbally, but she doesn't know what any of those um, fillings look like. And so there's no way she can make a choice. You and I know what they are. So I can listen to you and I know what you're talking about, but she doesn't. You need to use pictures or you need to use the actual crowns that you're talking about so they can see what they look like. And then they have a better chance of choosing what they might want. Because I'll tell you something, Earl, most dental offices have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work sitting in charts that patients have never moved forward with because it's never been explained to them in a way that they can understand so they can choose. Thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom about life's experiences and the training that you do. I'm wishing you a great day and thanks for joining me here at Voice Power. Thanks, Earl, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Thanks for tuning into Voice Power and subscribing and writing a review wherever you receive your podcast. Voice Power is the podcast that keeps you informed on how voiceovers improve your business and personal life. Earl Thomas, The Voice, thanks you for joining him today. Have yourself a wonderful day, and we look forward to you joining us next time.